When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm Gabe Ibrahim bringing you a special edition of the show to pick the WNBA All-Star rosters. And to help me do that, I've brought in Kevin Pelton from ESPN. He writes about the NBA and the WNBA and our very own Richard Cohen, who is going for, this is like your record, uh, Her Hoop Stats podcast appearance. I think this is like four or five for you. Obviously, I'm the cheapest. <laughs> availability is the best ability um, wait, wait how much am i supposed to be getting paid for this <laughs> all right i'm the equal cheapest <laughs> everyone's equally cheap on this podcast guys they hate to break it to everyone um but yeah we're here we're gonna do all the all-star picks um and i have some questions so i think the way we should do this as i was explaining before we got on like i, I think three people picking is like too much because then we just all give our picks and that's it so i'm gonna kind of be not picking and I, I have my picks so i will disagree vehemently with everyone else um but i think we're going to kind of do youtube picking and i'll be more of the middle ground debater trying to toss in grenades to to make it more inflammatory um and we'll get we'll get started with the guards but i do have some questions for you guys um so i was wondering like did you guys have a methodology or is it just kind of like you know an all-star when you see it so kevin did you have a methodology so my philosophy has always been sort of like if we were picking a team of the best players to win a game right now, you know, sort of setting aside short-term injuries, who are the players I would pick? So obviously that's weighted more heavily towards this season, but it's not exclusively on this season. Okay. If someone comes out and has a hot, you know, and we're up to now a sample size of what, like, 
you know, almost half the season, I mm-hmm. guess, in most of these teams case, but you know, there's still fluke performances. And so I am inclined to, to put a little more weight on what players have done in the past. than I think most people have, as opposed to just picking straight based on the first 16, 15 games of this season. And what about you, Richard? I, I lean a little more the other way. And the, these are, this is, these are the games we're supposed to be picking all-stars based on. So these are the ones I'll focus on. If someone's been hot for 10 to 15 games then they're going to be in because that's what we've got to to look at but if there's a tiebreaker then I agree then yeah maybe you you look more at at history because this these are these are used as sort of as something that you write in the line in the the player's career history when it comes to the end of their 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 career and you're looking for a, a a hall of fame resume or anything like that so it it does come up and it does sort of kind of matter at the end when you're looking at what they uh they achieved except as we discussed last year in all the years where the WNBA decides not to pick an all-star team yeah this, this is the worst league for that example but it's it's still to a true to an extent yeah well I guess that, that was my other question I mean Richard can I answer it like how important is all-star how much should we care about um, this process, I guess Ke- Richard just answered it. So Kevin, if, if you have a take on that, I'd love to hear it. I mean, it's interesting. Like when I was doing these picks, I didn't really care about it, but there's obviously a couple of players who we know are going to be part of this process from a legacy standpoint in terms of super Diana Taurasi. I don't know about Sylvia Fowles at this point, since unfortunately she may not be able to actually play in the game with her injury, but you, you got to assume that there's going to be some way. To, I, I know Richard had a tweet about that the a couple of weeks ago, right? Oh, the, yeah. I mean, if they were to miss out, then I would fully expect Bird at the very least to be put in by the commissioner in the same way that Nowitzki and Wade were back when the, when it, the NBA did it a few years back. Um, Fowles obviously is a little more complicated because she's been hurt recently and Tarassi is a little more complicated because we don't know whether she's retiring or not. So do you put someone in when it might not be their last year? Um, I think the voters are probably going to sort it out for them anyway, but we'll see. Yeah. And to that end, like Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles are both in the top 10 of fan voting. And in fairness, like there's a case that Sylvia, like Sylvia Fowles' game performance oh, yeah. puts her into the all-star game category. So it's not, it's not quite like the, the Wade and Nowitzki thing where both those guys were, um, as much as I love Dwayne Wade, as you can see him over my shoulder, um, they weren't performing at an all-star level, whereas Sylvia Fowles is, and Stu Bird is not. But I, I think you're right. I think the voters are going to sort it out and that Sue and, and Syl would both be in, and then we'll have to deal with a possible injury, um, you know, a, an injury replacement there. And, and this actually brought up my third question I was going to ask, like, how are we... You guys already mentioned the honorary spots. I'm with Richard. Like we need, I think the commissioner should just say, Hey, Sue, Syl, and maybe Diana are all in um, just for the sake of making that easy so that everyone can focus on players who have performed to an all-star level. Um, but there's also, you know, the, the problem with games miss, you know, you have someone like, like Leia Deladon again, in the top 10 of voting, she's only played 11 games this year. She's sitting on another one. Uh, tonight, which was last night for you guys listening, she's sitting out another game and it's not her fault that she has to manage this back injury, but is there a threshold for either of you on um, games missed and how, and how much do you like weigh that 
in terms of, of this rather than, you know, something like an MVP? Not very much. I mean, I think that, get, that gets to the idea of, you know, I know the all-star when I see one and the other aspect of it is, you know, a player can still be very valuable while missing that many games. I mean, Deladon's top 20 in overall warp for me. So wins above replacement player, which factors in time on the court. So, you know, I think she was, she was an easy call for me. I think some of these maybe, you know, affect starter versus reserve. Yeah, I have it like in as a factor, but not as a, a major one. It's sort of a decider, decider if you're sort of picking between starters and reserves, or maybe if someone's on the fringe of reserves or not making it, then it, it comes in as an element, but not a not a huge one. And there's there's a lot of players this year because with COVID and protocols who've missed like two, three games out mm-hmm. of 15. And so it sort of all evens out because there are so many who've just missed a couple. And then you sort of think, well, in that case, everyone's on a fairly similar level. Deladon's the only one really who's missed a significant chunk and is still a, a candidate. Yeah, I was asking because I had trouble. I had trouble with Deladon thinking about, you know, the game she's missed. Um, I, I'm with you, though. I think for All-Star, it probably matters a little bit less. Uh, could you explain warp, though, Kevin? Because I see it all the time. I've never asked. Uh, I've never asked what it actually means. But uh, could you explain just like in, in layman's terms what warp is? Yeah, so the concept is that a player's value to their team is based on two factors, how much they play and how much they play better than the concept of, you know, someone you could sign as a street free agent. Mm -hmm. That's the replacement level player in those minutes. So, you know, I think historically, a lot of stats early on kind of focused on, well, how much better is a player than average? And that's the way we came up with their value uh, factoring in both their playing time and how well they played. And that isn't a very good method because playing a lot of minutes at league average is actually really useful at teams because it means you're not, you know, putting that replacement level player on the court. So it's really valuable, I think, in the case of, you know, situations like Adela Dawn, where, you know, her playing time is limited for these specific factors. How much still is she helping the team when you factor in that there's, you know, this extra handful of games where Washington is playing? I mean, they in their specific case, it's not based on a, a specific replacement player like Maisha Hines Allen and mm-hmm. in the Mystics case or, you know, Tiana Hawkins. It's it's a generic average of what you'd expect from a replacement level player across all of it. But that's kind of a way to understand Deladon's value relative to someone who's, you know, played more minutes, but maybe at a slightly lower level. All right. Okay, so that's uh that's all my preliminary stuff. You guys want to get into the picks? Let's Go for it. All right, I'll uh let Richard, since you've been on this podcast so many times, you get to pick. Are we going front court or back court first for the starters? Uh, why don't we go with the guards first? All right, guards. Okay, guards. Yeah, that's what we call them. Um, all right. So in the guards, give me. We'll just start with one pick, and then we'll see. Or should we actually give me all four of your your uh guard starters? You go, Kevin. All right, I've got Skylar Diggins-Smith, Sabrina Ionescu, Kelsey Plum, and Courtney Vandersloot. All right. Richard? Well, the thing is, I had two who were definitely in, only one of whom was one of Kevin's, funnily enough. And then I had two more from any of six. So the two I had in were Plum and Chelsea Gray. Okay. Who I have both have starting and then i won't name all the others yet to keep some suspense for later <laughs> on but yeah ian eskew vandersloot and diggin smith are are all in the group of other people i would be picking starters from 
That's interesting. I had gray, I guess, much lower among the guard group. I mean, I, I, not to spoil it, I do think she's an all-star, but I, I had her behind several other people. Yeah, why, why is Chelsea Gray a starter for you? I think, but well, I'm sure we'll talk about her later on, but I think Vegas' starting perimeter of Plum, Gray, and, and Jackie Young all together. Although Plum's obviously been electric as a scorer, they're hard to separate as just as a group. They've been so effective as a group. They're all they're all doing their jobs defensively as well. It's and Gray is still the the metronome that keeps things running for them, even though Plum has just as many assists this season. It I think she's been as good as anybody, and Vegas have been so good that I uh, yeah, I had both of them. Yeah, yeah I, I mean think- I th- well, I just think you could extend that. You mentioned the backcourt. You could say that about Vegas' entire starting five. I yeah. mean, obviously, Asia is like the, the probably the most valuable in this group, but uh, we're going to hear a lot of Aces names as we go through this list. Yeah, I mean, we're, we can talk about how many All-Stars one team should have because you can definitely make a case for all five from Vegas. Yeah, I have I have all five on the on the universal list of players I was definitely I was considering. I'm surprised that Chelsea Gray's up there for you because I, I mean, I think it, you're right. It's hard to separate them. And it's hard to, because it feels like in certain games, one of them takes over and then the other ones kind of, you know, fill in the, fill in the other roles. Um, I don't know who, who were they playing their last game? It was the wings. Maybe. That was the day game they played. The maybe wings they- was their last game, the Jessica Shepard game, right? Yes. The, the oh, Jess Shepard God, game. Yes. <laughs> The Jess Shepard game. Shouts to Jess Shepard, who is not is not going to be uh... who, who had twenty two and eighteen, and no one's going to care in the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> poor Jess Shepard. Uh, that might be her last match on this podcast, but good for her. Uh, regardless, though, I I feel like in that game, Gray had a a much bigger impact, uh, even uh, against rather than Plummer Young, not just not because of the scoring, just because Gray was like you're saying controlling the pace there. But then there's other games. It is Plummer Young. I'm surprised that Young was not on either of your list because Jackie Young kind of dominated the headlines early on this year. I thought she was playing the best basketball in like that first, I don't know, six or seven games out of any three of those guards. Jackie Young's in the front court as far as I'm concerned. Well, she, but that's where she is in the ballot. Yeah, she's a, she's a guard. if you're gonna if you're gonna put the formation as two guards and three front court then you have to call three of the players that start on the team front court players so i agree with this assessment but uh in this particular case at least for the starters i had to take the position seriously (laughs) i was taking it seriously i'm taking it more seriously than the league when they assign the damn letters I, I think that's a totally fair point, uh, but Jackie Young is a guard, so I was just I was surprised. Who is your fourth, Kevin? You had Plum, Sabrina, Skyler, and Sloot. And Sloot. Okay, Courtney Vandersloot. Um, fair. And well, I guess we can move over to Plum since she's on both your lists. Uh, is is any of this surprising to either of you? Her production so far this year. I mean, part of it is just the increased minutes, but, uh, you know, it's, 
I saw her play obviously a lot at UW covered mm-hmm. some of her senior season and her ability to score at all three levels was really incredible. You know, she braided as, you know, projected to the WNBA as one of the best draft picks in recent memory. And then, you know, she had that stretch in San Antonio and the, you know, even the first year in Vegas was really up and down. And it was like, is this ever going to happen? And comes back from the Achilles and puts it all together. And she's somehow been even better this year. Mm-hmm. So Yes and no, I guess is the answer to, is this surprising? No from college, but yes from her early WNBA career? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, it's like we saw with uh, with Diggin Smith as well, to a certain extent, It was who had a very slow start as a pro, that sometimes it does just take a couple of years for players to, to sort it out at the next level. And I think it's maybe the slightly surprising part is that She's playing such heavy minutes and has the efficiency hasn't dropped off at all from from last year when she won sixth woman of the year. You you would expect that at least there'd be some kind of diminishing returns, but it hasn't. I mean, it, it isn't yet another player that we see peak at 27, 28, assuming this is a peak, um, which does happen over and over and over again. You, you You look at the numbers and that comes up a lot. So this could be this year and sort of next year or two could be the best we ever see from, from Kelsey Plum, but she's been very, very good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with Kevin too. Like it's not, it's not surprising. I kind of expected it. Um, I just didn't expect her to get all of this opportunity, I guess. Cause they, there are some, there are so many mouths to feed in Vegas and uh, the answer so far for Vegas is just feed everyone and they kill people. Well, they're um, they're partly helped by having absolutely no bench, so they've got five players to feed, and that that's it. But that um, works. Well, it may work. We'll see what we'll see. It's what worked, it's worked for now. Yeah, I mean, as long as the five stay healthy, you're fine. Once once any of them don't, you you start to get a little thin. You see, Teresa plays aren't playing the three. Um, so yeah, last thing on Plum, I think she was helped by the three on three play as well. But it you have. To, you have to be very direct and mm-hmm. take responsibility in that in that version of the game because there aren't many people out there. So you just have to produce the offense and take and be aggressive immediately. And yeah, she's taken that on into the five on five. Yeah, and and uh, the other two players, Alicia Alicia Gray and Jackie Young, who are on the perimeter from that team, also seem to have that mentality as well. Um, I mean, Steph Dolson kind of plays the same way she always has, but that's that's fine. That works. Uh, so Kevin, could you rank your your starting guards here? I mean, I think Skyler was maybe the easiest call just from that standpoint of she's been very good this season and very good forever. I mean, we talked about Kelsey Plum's development. Richard listed the past examples, including her. I mean, Sabrina is also like, you know, had been eh, okay last season coming back from the injury and we felt like you know she wasn't completely right physically the second half of the season and you know I I tweeted earlier in the year when she had that big opener like I'm buying the Sabrina breakthrough season and then through two weeks it was like or three weeks it was like oh well I guess it's not going to be this year for Sabrina and then all of a sudden it is and she's you know threatening a triple double every single game so I, I probably I guess Skyler Kelsey, Sabrina of those top three, and then Slew was, you know, probably weighing more on her her past performance. I don't think she's been quite at that that level so far this season, but uh, you know, obviously has proven it over a long period of time in this league, including last year's title run. So Slew, so Vander Slew over 
who who were the other who are the people that are really pushing Vandersloot there? Jackie Young and then Ryan Howard, okay. which is an interesting case as a rookie. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, the Ryan Howard thing was was hard for me because I'm with you on the whole past experience thing. Like it's tough to ignore what Vandersloot has done, and especially coming off what should have been well, my in my opinion should have been a Finals MVP uh, case in the, in the Finals last year. I, I think it weighs in, but man, I just really like what Ryan Howard's done. She was on my cut line too. I had Jackie Young actually ahead of uh, Vandersloot because of what I said earlier. So what pushed Sloot over the top other than that past performance? What this year has she done to kind of, you know, put herself in, in the conversation with Jackie? Yeah, I think that was the main thing. And just Jackie Young missing a couple of games lately, sure. you know, was maybe a slight factor. But I, to me, starter versus reserve isn't a huge distinction since, you know, everybody's going to be in the game. I think Sloot's hurt to a certain extent with her all-star resume because of the depth that Chicago now have. So you don't see the same level of raw numbers that would, would have pushed her forward a couple of years ago because Parker takes away from her assists because so much of the offense runs through her now. You got Mieseman and Copper piling up scoring numbers as well. So that pushes her a little bit down the list from where she might have been before when she's like compiling double digit assists game after game. Um, yeah. Did you she, have her in your group of six? Yeah, she's absolutely on, on my list and, and I have her certainly in the game. Um, well, yeah. Let's finish out your, your two here. Um, and I have, a, I have another player throw out who I'm pretty sure is not on Richard's, on Richard's starting line. Um, so you had your six, you have your group of six now to pick from. Yes. So after hearing everything we've talked about, give, give me your other two guard starters. Uh, I take Ian Eskew and Diggin Smith to go with Plum and Gray. Fair enough. Yeah. I think, I think Skylar is pretty, is pretty much a lock. Although is she in this top? At the moment, she is not an all-star starter, according to the voting as of June 10th. That doesn't Although necessarily we, surprise me because everyone's going to vote for Tarasi if they're focusing on Phoenix. Well, it, and it's sorry, this is only fifty percent. The fan vote's only fifty percent. Yeah. So we have twenty five percent. There's a twenty five percent to the media, and then twenty five percent to the players. Okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe Skylar maybe Skylar uh, gets in that way because I I'm with you guys that she she deserves it. Um, so we only have one difference between you guys on the guards. All right, and now. Besides, outside of just like the fan voting aspect of this, are those three locks? You think Plum, Sabrina, and Skylar are locks to be starters? If this was chosen based on uh, just performance, I mean, I think it is somewhat debatable. I agree with Richard that there's probably a, a group of about seven players that I think you can take four from. So I, I don't know how many locks there are after, after I think Skylar Diggins said this probably, you know, like I said, tops among that because she's just kind of got the, the broadest argument, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many locks there are. Yeah. I would tend to agree with that, that there's so I would say there are eight, like I said, that I have the list of eight that I think are in the game, but which ones are the four starters? I think you could, you could make a case for, for most of the group. Okay, I'm gonna throw out another player here that okay. probably wasn't a starter for me, um, but I put her up here just for inflammatory reasons. Uh, Ariel Atkins. So Atkins, obviously, I she hasn't quite taken the step forward on offense to me, um, just because I I expect a lot from her. Uh, but she is at the head of the best defense in 
the WNBA with the Washington Mystics. I think she's probably the biggest reason if we're assigning, um, if we're, if we're assigning blame or what's the opposite of blame credit, credit, there it credit. is. <laughs> there it is. I, I went to school for English stuff. Um, but <laughs> if we're assigning credit here, I think Atkins takes the lion's share of the credit defensively. She's been a motor offensively. She's been doing a ton for them, both sides of the ball. And I, I get to watch every game that she plays in. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think she definitely has a case to be in that starter category. Um, and I had her in there uh, with, actually I had her in there with Plum, Sabrina, Young, and Atkins um, just for, because I want it to be different. Uh, but I think, I think Ariel Atkins definitely deserves uh, at least some looks as far as a starter goes. I don't think that's unreasonable. I ranked my reserves in terms of like, who were the the three guards in the four front court and then the four wild cards. So my next tier of three guards were, as you mentioned, Howard Young, and then Atkins was the third okay. one. Atkins is one of my eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing you didn't mention even is she's shooting 40% from three point range. So especially next to Natasha Cloud, who is as much of a shooter as she's ever been in her entire career. But what um, about that first game? Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Atkins is, has, yeah, every, every uh, reason to expect to be at this game one way or another. I, I'm not sure. She, I doubt she'll start because she doesn't have the, the like the popular reputation to to get the fan vote. I wouldn't have thought. And but I would think she'll get in from the coaches in the uh, reserves. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if the coaches don't pick her because I think every coach in the every coach in WNBA has to be aware of what's happening with Ariel Atkins on the defensive side of the ball at the very least. Um, the only thing that I really want to see from Ariel is her to get to the rim. She always, she like has a great drive and then she'll just stop and pull up and she hits the shot. She hits the shot with enough uh, regularity. That's not a terrible shot, but I do want, if she got to a rim more, I think she'd be kind of a lock because she'd be scoring substantially more points. That's neither here nor there. So Atkins would be my other starter. Um, so we have a really good, really solid starting guards here um, that kind of track with the fan voting uh, other than Sue Bird and, and Jewel Lloyd uh, being in there. Um, and Jewel, I'm sure we'll talk about her and when we get to the reserves. So those are our guards. Let's move down to the front court. Um, and Richard, give me your your first front court starter. Well, I think we actually, hold on. We know, <laughs> at, we know at least two of the front court starters. I mean, I have three. I think well, three. three. I think three are dead certs. Yeah, we we have John Quell Jones, we have Asia Wilson, and we have Brianna Stewart. And that was, those are three locks for me. Uh, although at the moment, again, John Quell Jones is not in, in the top ten of fan voting, but we're all in on. We can all agree, John Quell Jones, Brianna Stewart, uh, Asia Wilson, right? We, we can ignore the populace. Yes, <laughs> we're taking. We, we can ignore the populace, much like many uh, American politicians would like to. Uh, we're, so we're going Stewie, Jones, and Wilson. Uh, a- anything you guys want to add on any of those players? They're very good at basketball. They're um, all really, really good, yeah. I, I'd say so. <laughs> of those three, I mean, I know we'll probably have to talk about this for MVP at some point. Uh, has, so it feels like Asia's kind of made the bigger leap this year, or, or am I just kind of 
wanting to say that because your team's so good. I mean, compared to last season, I, I think that's probably fair because I, you know, I don't think she had a legitimate MVP case last year as she did two years ago. So relative to that, and she does this year. So relative to that, I guess that that's probably true. And I think maybe there's been more of a story around Wilson because of Hammond coming in and changing the system in Vegas to a certain extent. That's that's made it more interesting to look at them as a as something different from what we've seen in the past. Whereas Connecticut, maybe John Quell Jones has been has kind of done things a little more quietly than we've seen in the past because they've got again so much talent surrounding her, especially in that front court. She hasn't had to to jump out at you quite as much. So yeah, that that's been a little quieter. And Stuart is is Stuart. We've seen her do this stuff for a lot of years now. Whenever she's healthy, you get the same stuff. But I think you can make the case this is the best she's ever played so far. Like she's been more aggressive as a scorer than she's been. Make, in, make in the, the case. Yeah, I mean she's she's had to carry a slightly heavier load on offense for the Storm. Obviously, Sue isn't quite the player that she was in the past, and you know has missed some time this year due to illness. It was, it's funny, you know, when you worry about Sue Bird staying healthy at age forty-one, I don't think anyone meant like illness was <laughs> going to be the reason that she was going to miss several games in the first half of the season. Uh, fortunately, she's through that now, and. You know, she remains as efficient as ever. Her defense this year, the other thing, like I believe she's number two in the league in steals per game, which mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable, or maybe number one, which is pretty remarkable for a front court player. So all of that, I think from a statistical standpoint, I think she's actually playing at a higher level than she has in a regular season, even when she won MVP in 2018, even if the team is no longer at that level. Mm, uh, oh, where, where is she on steal rate? Uh, okay, sorry. I was going to look up the steals per game. Yeah, they mentioned that, I yeah. think, in the broadcast the other day. That's the first I, I knew she that is, her steal rate was high. She is second okay. behind Brittany Sykes. Tied with Emma Mieseman. Fascinating stuff. Huh. Yeah, that's really weird. Emma uh, Mieseman, who got, who got ripped to bits by Nelissa Smith the other night. No, so she whether she's, yeah. Steals doesn't always mean great defense, as, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was not great. Although Brittany Sykes has a sorry, this is an aside. I was just looking this up to Brittany Sykes has a 3.7 uh steal rate at the moment, which would be the highest since like 2018, I want to say. Uh it's very good. Which I mean it's not that surprising from her, but I was just something I, I, I would I was thinking about with Brittany Sykes. She's on my way down list. Like in the universe, she is like she's down there though. Yeah, I did not spend very lo- very long thinking about sparks for uh, this particular debate. I have to admit. Well, uh, we may- hopefully at least one. Yeah, we got to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah. talk about at least like one. I said, a little, a little bit, not, 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 not long. <laughs> and two, technically, if we're gonna look at the fan voting, uh, let let's start with the the rest of the front court there. So our front court, obviously, John Cole Jones, Brian Stewart, Asia Wilson, those three players should be starters. I hope they're starters. Uh, we'll see what happens. The the next, so who's your next front court player, uh, Richard? I started asking you a question. So who's your next front court player after those three? Alyssa Thomas. Alyssa Thomas. Why? Because, I mean, she started the season absolutely on fire in terms of production. She's actually tailed off a little bit in terms of raw numbers, but that's partly because they're now asking her to basically play power forward and point guard half the time. Um. Yeah, she she does everything for them. She still is. She 
still can't shoot and it still doesn't matter. And yeah, uh, she's running the offense on a lot of the time to the extent that Heidemann can't get back off the bench in the second half. Um, and Connecticut have been very good. The, the defense is still good. I think she deserves to be there, basically. Um, she's The numbers support it as well. The advanced numbers like her a lot more than someone like Dewana Bonner playing next to her. Um, so, yeah, I think she's in. Uh, I think she'll definitely be in the game. Whether she'll start might be up in the air. I agree with that. Also depends which numbers, since Warp has always like been very high on Tawana Botter <laughs> and not as high on Alyssa Thomas. So I had a group of five players kind of after those three locks okay. in the front court. And I didn't have Alyssa Thomas. I had her kind of like a slight notch below that, although also clearly an all-star. Uh, so I I went back back and forth a lot on this group. I, I guess I would say next to these, again, from a legacy, like considering past performance mm. and a not putting that much weight on playing time standpoint, Elena Deladon was probably the next of this group for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and EDD has had a heck of a return season uh, outside of the various times where she's missed games, as we talked about earlier, and, and uh, the one game where she actually got hurt in the game. Um, but why, why EDD, why does EDD get over that hurdle um, of, of missing games and just like, what do you think of what she's been doing this year? Yeah, I mean, I think just she's been playing at, you know, not quite probably the MVP level that when we last saw her healthy back in 2019 and the Mystics were winning the title, but very close to it. And, you know, from that standpoint of like, if we're picking a team to win a game today, I would probably want her for that one game over anybody else who, you know, maybe is more valuable over the course of a full season. And especially if that game's against the Connecticut Sun, she loves playing the Sun for some reason. I don't understand why. But she her, really her gets... and in both. Misum yeah, her and her and they, they just really enjoy that situation. Uh, the Sun did not enjoy losing in Washington. Just for the record, uh, they they were not having fun in the post game press conference. Uh, Richard, did you have EDD, or should we have a little debate here? I did not. I think probably mostly because of the number of games she's missed. Because. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's one where seven out of 18 was enough to knock her down at least a notch for me and take her out of the starters, but I would have her in the game. Absolutely. Uh, did either of you guys have Dewana Bonner in your, in your starter? Not as a starter. Okay. I did mainly for, again, inflammatory purposes. Uh, but it's also because I've had one, one big complaint about Dewana Bonner for the entirety of the time I've watched the WNBA. And this year, she's, she has fixed that to a certain extent uh, with her threes. She's hitting 36% of them, which is, yeah, that, frankly, enough for me. That's small sample size randomness. That's going to come back down. It, it, sorry, come back down already. <laughs> at, like two weeks ago, she was at like 45%. I was like, uh. I mean, I feel like we're seeing a few less of the 25-footers from her this year. Isn't that, that the that's, fair? That, yeah, that might be fair, yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe they've talked her out of that given – you know, the number of other options she has around her. It's like, you, you can shoot from 30 feet or you might be able to pass it to Brianna Jones for a layup under the hoop. So, yeah. I think she's just been more efficient. She's been less, she does less of the reckless stuff that sometimes got her into trouble in both Phoenix and earlier yeah. in Connecticut. So I, I like that when you cut out something that I dislike in your game no, I and you're playing that. at that level, I think she um, belongs to conversation. If you've read my, my column the last couple of weeks, you'll have seen that I've, I've enjoyed sort of looking at the on-off numbers mm. for a lot of players. On-off does not like Dewana Bonner really? this season. 
in that they get, I mean, according to those numbers, they get a lot worse when she's on the court. They're, they're better lineups are when she comes out and they go big with Rihanna Jones in the middle, John Quell Jones, Alyssa Thomas, and guards. Um, so uh, we're going to talk, that'll come up late, later on with a couple of players as well. There's There's one or two that those numbers really, really don't like. Um, that will still be considered all-star candidates based on production and raw numbers. Yeah, okay. I think that's a case where the small sample size can be a yeah. really big factor, especially someone like Bonner who missed, you know, a, a particular set of games at the start of the season coming back late from international. And she's like barely played with Jasmine Thomas, right? Since since Thomas Thomas's injury about coincided with Bonner's return, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm not sure they played many minutes together, if any. Um, no, I get you. I get you on the on off because I like the on off numbers too. But I, I'm, I also think it is is really low sample size, um, and also because they they kind of force feeding that lineup of uh, of with Courtney Williams kind of at the one, then Bonner at the two, and then their three bigs down low. Uh, and I think that's a bit suboptimal, even though it's their five best players. Um, maybe they figure it out at some point, but I, I think that may be factoring into there. Uh, but I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair point to bring up that she is not necessarily the most important part of that team doing well, uh, especially at this point. Just wanted to throw the Wanda Bonner out there while we were talking about Alyssa Thomas uh, and EDD. Okay, so let's move on to your fifth big starters out of six. Uh, Richard, who's your, who's your fifth big here? Um, sound unsure well yeah again I had a I had eight eight front court players who are in and four who I had in as starters so then the last two I'm picking from four again Um, I was in the same boat I kept like the 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 backward starters the guard starters were pretty easy for me to settle on for the front court starters I went back and forth as I was writing down names multiple times so shall I give you my, my next four and we can argue over which ones might be in? Sure. Okay, the four I had after um, Alyssa Thomas, Jones, Wilson, and, and Stewart were Candice Parker, mm-hmm. Jackie Young, because I had her in the front court. Which you can't do, just for the record. Becker <laughs> <laughs> Agumake and Sylvia Fowles. Okay. So that's interesting. I didn't really seriously consider Fowles that much just because I think she's probably not going to be healthy to play in the game anyway. And it sounds like she might not be, you know, kind of my working assumption at this point is she's probably not going to play again this season. Like obviously in terms of, you know, when she is healthy without question in this group. So my four were Ogumike and Parker the same. And then the other Connecticut player that we've alluded to, I, I had her ahead of both Bonner and Thomas. Brianna Jones, I think, has been like on a permanent basis, mm-hmm. the second best Sun player this season. Uh, I guess I guess it was only, and then Emma Misame was the fourth player that I had in consideration here. And I had her written in for a while before eventually I scratched her out and I ended up going with Agumake and Parker from this group. Oh man, it would be really cool if those two were on the same team. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I so I actually I had Misam in, in my in my starting group until you guys talked me out of talked me down from the ledge of EDD starting um because of her of, of the injury stuff. So I, I agree on NECA too. So we got Parker and NECA for um for Kevin. What 
Mm, which way? Which way should we go here? Let's go with Neca. Why? Why is Neca a starter for you, despite her team's uh, performance so far this year? I mean, that's not something I pay any attention to. Although obviously, I didn't end up with a lot of players from bad teams because there's there's a reason that those teams aren't doing as well. I mean, she's been the rock because she's the one player who stuck around in LA when there was the mass exodus a couple of years ago that saw two players we've we've talked about as all-star starters leave in the same off season. Uh, and, you know, it's just playing at as high a level as ever, extremely efficient as a scorer, strong rebounder, like, you know, her, her numbers are not that far off, I think, from John Quill Jones's this season. So that was kind of the, the, the key factor for me. Well, what about you, Richard? What do you have you made your decision yet listening to to this? I mean, I'm happy to go with Necker and Parker as as the uh, as the next two. Um, Considering you can't vote for one of the players that you you keep telling me that, that Young doesn't count. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not our rules. They set the rules up, and I'm following them. They told me I can pick four and four guards and six front court players. That's what I did. I mean, it will be interesting to see what they do with the coaches' vote if if they're limited to those positions. I I felt kind of obligated to stick with the positions they listed. <laughs> some some coaches definitely just writing Jackie Young in the forward. Um, well, do the coaches vote? The coaches don't vote for the starters. They just no, get to they, pick the reserves. They, they right. vote the reserves. Yeah. Well, in the reserves, they don't have a positional. Do they? No, do it they? is. It is. It's three guards, oh. four front court, and then four. You get four wild cards, so that makes up a significant part of the team. Oh wow! I didn't real. I thought the coaches could just pick whoever you want. Five front court, four wild cards because I those don't yeah. add up to twelve. <laughs> so we have three. You can only pick three guards, five front court, four wild cards. Correct. Yeah. Wow! I did not know that. I should have done a little a, a little more research into what the coaches are doing, because um, I just picked I picked people whoever I want. I think I may have ended up with the right distribution though perhaps i mean it's so uh, many wild cards it's hard not to it's not like the nba ballots it's for the reserves it's four guards like six front court and then only two wild cards you can get in trouble if there's a lot of deserving guards there but harder in in this format mm. also jackie young gets in as as whatever uh so assume you can't vote for jackie young richard you're good with parker and do it, well, well, tell me about fouls because uh, Kevin already explained about fouls. Why do you think it's not uh, as important to consider the, the injury stuff? Well, it's kind of what we were saying right at the start in that Kevin is thinking more of a over, overview. And I'm sort of saying at, right now she's played 12 or 16 games, which is pretty similar to the number of games that have been missed by a bunch of other players. So as of this minute, I think she's still in based on the performance of what we've seen so far this season. Um, so I would, yeah, I would certainly have her on, on the roster. Whether she's a starter or not, you can argue over. And then, yeah, then she would be replaced by somebody. It, admittedly, it's hard internally for me to justify having Deladon as a starter and not having fouls on the roster at all. I mean, we yeah, probably should just take her games. Yeah, if and let her get replaced. Right yeah, I, that, that was my thing too, is like, I took them both off. For a second. And then, wait, no, I actually did end up with only having fouls off the list. My list got real. I was doing a lot of stuff right before we got on. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I think it's, it, if you have EDD, I think you, you kind of have to have fouls on there just for the honorary spot. Um, and also, like, there is the aspect, not that we're very sentimental on this podcast, uh, but I kind of want Sylvia Fowles to be a part of it, to, to get that last 
all-star nod, even though she probably isn't going to play. I mean, there's also the, even an extra level, yeah, back in Chicago. Back in the city that drafted her, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it'd be really cool. Um, I wish she could play, though. because So, yeah, if she could play for sure, I'd put her on there. But if she's not going you know, to play, then I, I can see the argument of not having her on there. Um, oh, and then here, here's the other thing, because I had Emma starting for a bit. Um, why Candace over Emma, Kevin? Again, went back and forth on this one. I mean, Candace's level of play for such a long period of time in this league is quite mm-hmm. high. I think Misman has probably been the better player so far this season, but it's also perhaps the highest level that she's played at in the W. So, you know, maybe want to see her do it for a full season before we quite put her at that level. But she's certainly been an all-star player in this league, a, a really important piece of that Washington title team, the finals MVP. So, you know, again, like just just a hair behind the other two for me. Richard, did you not did you not consider Emma? She, I mean, she's on my bench. Right, um, I I had Parker ahead. I think partly because she she's more of the the system in Chicago in that she facilitates as well, whereas Misa Moon is. A, more of a traditional post player, more of a finisher. Um, so Parker seems more involved in what what they're doing when she's pl- obviously she's played a couple of games less because she's had the injury recently. So I think you can certainly make the argument either way. But yeah, Parker was was in for me, and Misaman would have been on the bench. Okay, I think that's yeah. I, I was taking just like this year, I was kind of just focused in. So I was like, yeah, Emma's been playing better. So I put Emma up there. But I think it's totally fair, especially at home. We kind of need Candace Parker in the game. Um, and then I do want to talk about Bree Jones, but we've kind of gone a long time. So we'll get to Bree Jones when we talk about the reserves. Is everyone cool with that? Yep. All right. Uh, let's start with some reserves. Uh, I'm a little, I think we have some some of the people you already mentioned uh richard who is your fourth card by the way in the start um, oh no no i have it I have it cool all right so your reserve your reserve guards give me your top three reserved guards so then we can fill in that that little uh niche there um well in the end i went with plum gray and escu so my my reserves i would have uh there were four left on my so Atkins, Vandersloot, Lloyd, and Arike Ogunbowale would be my next four. Atkins, Sloot, Arike. Oh, we haven't talked about Arike. Hmm. I don't have Arike on my team. Interesting. Why not? I don't. I mean, she's been extremely inefficient this season. She keeps getting rejected in every games. season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's not a fluke that she's been, but it, it kind of stands out more now that. Alicia Gray is playing better than her on offense. Like, do we really need Arike to be taking all these bad shots now that Alicia Gray is this good? They've got some decent front court options. Uh, you know, Marina Mabry, when she's been healthy, is is more efficient. Like, I'm not sure that that's necessary in the same way it was her first couple seasons in the league. Well, it's necessary from the standpoint that they just signed to the max extension <laughs> and they definitely need her to be on the top of the scoring heap. Uh, but Richard, why is she in your all-star team then? I mean, I, I get what Kevin is saying. Obviously, the inefficiency bothers me a lot of the time as well, but she is still a, a core 
key to their offense, and she does still produce at a remarkable level for an offensive player. It's not like none of these shots go in, even though she is jacking up ridiculous shots from 25 feet with defenders in her face. A lot of them go in, and and it uh, and what she does then drives a lot of what else they do because mm-hmm. defenses do still have to pay a lot of attention to her and and we see her scoring like defenders also have to close out on her because of those sh- shots and she's willing to go straight past them and quick enough to go straight past them um so yeah i still think she has a case to be in this game but there are two other perimeter players in Dallas who also have a case to be on this reserve list. Because yeah. when you had your tweet the other day, Richard, about the controversial missions, that I, I immediately thought of me not having Arike. So I was wondering if it was her for you, but I guess it's other people in your case. Well, uh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see who's left once, once I finally <laughs> make up my mind by the end of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I... so. The other thing on Enrique, as as you allude to, Kevin, is just stop kicking the ball, man. Just stop kicking the ball. The ball, just don't touch the your it's, your foot to the ball. It's cool that you. I mean, it's one thing to stop the ball with your foot. That's cool. Yeah. Like when it ends up ten rows in the stands, that's not a oh, I just accidentally stopped it the wrong way. Sorry, I'm not buying that <laughs> argument. Um, but, yeah, I mean, her problem with saying I'm a soccer player first is in that case she's a really bad soccer player. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's exactly. why. That's why she's playing basketball now. Yeah, she's, she's got. She's, the- what what we call the first touch of a brick wall in that um <laughs> in that game where she managed to punt one into the stands. Yeah, that, that didn't if you go do well. it every time and it's never gone ten rows into the stands, that makes me think that maybe you were pissed off because your team was trailing at the halftime of the game and you were playing terribly. I don't know. I don't know. It it certainly looked like she kicked the ball. Then she did it in another game, like two games after that, like I, I oh man I forget what it was like it was a, it was a foul off the ball ball came rolling to her and she tried to tip it up to herself and it went flying towards half court I was like stop just don't touch the ball your foot uh, and and or we're gonna we're gonna say that that's why she's not on your team Kevin just just the message gets through she's not on Kevin's all star team because she's kicked the ball too many times uh, I'm sorry Richard who was your fourth sometimes card? threw the ball too many times right or whatever it was at the uh, L A ejection whatever she said. She well, in that one she just kicked the stanchion, which you shouldn't oh, do. Right? Yeah. So, so no kicking. Period. Yeah. She, yeah. And it broke. I I would love to know whether LA sent her like a, a bill for for busting <laughs> their, their digital signage. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It was. It was. It was very. Uh, it, that's like a dangerous kick to us. Gonna hurt your foot. All right. We can leave Enrique's kicking to the side. Uh, hopefully she doesn't do that anymore. But Richard, I'm sorry. Who is your fourth guard there? I didn't. I didn't catch it. Um, the last four were Sloot, Atkins, uh, Lloyd, and Lloyd. Arike. Yeah, Jewel Lloyd. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it. I do want to hear Kevin's next three reserve guards, or however yeah, many you want to mention here. As I already mentioned, I had Atkins, Howard Young in this group. So, I, I mean, that probably the fact that that uh, Richard isn't considering Jackie as a, a guard is a factor in this, but I, I had Jewel Lloyd a, a notch below this, not dramatically below this, mm-hmm. but she has not played as well. I think this season is she certainly, she did last year when she was all WNBA first team. Yeah. Her fish, she has gone down a little bit. So I'm, I'm with that. Um, I, I really like Jewel Lloyd, but I have her in that same group that you do, Kevin, but Ryan Howard's interesting um, because, you know, throughout this podcast, you've mentioned 
the the previous performance and how that has affected your vote. Obviously, we don't have the the previous performance for Ryan Howard because she's a rookie. Um, why why is she get on your list? Yeah, I'm sort of more willing to buy it because there's not right. a track record for playing kind of at a sub all star level. She was the number one pick, projected really well statistically, not quite this well statistically. Like I didn't expect this from day one, but you know she's been in the top ten in war pretty much all season. So like you could even make a case for her as a starter probably. This um, is another. This is another one where it depends on which stats you're looking at, because on-off stats hate uh, Ryan Howard in that they get like twenty points worse when she's off the when she's on the court. Really? Yeah. Her yeah her net rating difference is minus twenty one point one. That is wild. That's crazy, dude. Because like. A small difference I could understand just because of whatever, whatever. Um, that's an that's an insane stat. I just you know the scoring has been so impressive just oh, from yeah day I mean, one. The one. I mean, as a team, Atlanta are good defensively and bad offensively. So you you can therefore either make the case that they could be dreadful offensively whether Howard was playing or not, or you could say that. Even to be this bad, they've needed her. Basically, she she's their she is their offense. Um, after you get him, Cheyenne Parker, I don't know if she'll get mentioned later in this pod, but after her and uh, Howard, it drops off pretty quickly. Their shot creation. Yeah, and I, well, the thing is, though, I mean, like how I think it also comes down to how much of this turnaround turnaround for Atlanta you buy, and how much you attribute it to. Howard because they're about to their next win will match their win total um from 2019 and surpass their 2020 and uh surpass their 2021 obviously 2020 is a weird year but they're about to you know basically hit their win total from the last three years in game 15 of the season 16 of the season um I think that's huge. And I think that would be, that was kind of my reasoning here was like, well, this team is so much better and she's there now and she's a big part of it. So I wanted to give her, you know, the nod because of that. So are you saying you don't really buy that turnaround, Richard? And, and, or you don't really attribute it to Howard? I mean, they've also lost their last four in a row and are going oh. backwards. Um, I think she's been very impressive. But yeah, I don't particularly buy the, the turnaround for the team in that I do think they're going to probably end up in the lottery anyway. Um, but they've been good. And she, I like, I, as I said about her when she was coming out of college, I like the way she fills the stat sheet even beyond being a scorer. You get, you get rebounds, you get assists, you get steals and blocks to a certain extent as well. She does what you want her to do even beyond just being a she does need to develop as more than just a three-point shooter a lot of her scoring has come from from outside and from them running sort of curls and flares and things like that for her if she if she can't score more inside then she does become the deluxe version of Shakina Strickland which is not what you want from a number one pick wow um, well yeah cut that that's gonna wow. make a good clip <laughs> the deluxe bird come on Richard like I said, I, I expect that there to be much more than that, but she she does need she needs scoring inside the arc and to be more efficient inside the arc, which we've seen in spurts, but not not consistently yet. But you don't I mean it's her first season, first half of her rookie season. 
it is a lot of pull-up long twos. I, I would also mention that as we've gone through and you've criticized me for many times already, she's a front court player as far as I'm concerned. So I wasn't <laughs> looking at her as a guard. She's, she's a three, a... for God's sake. This is why I had a harder time picking front court reserves because you 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 uh just went with all the players who are listed as guards. I mean, yes, I agree she should also be in the front court. Well, let's this... go. Let's go Which also front applies front. to Kalia Copper is listed as a guard too. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know who. Does oh, any one person come well. up with this? I uh, it comes out of the league. Who the hell knows which which person at the league office is is doing it? Let Let's stop here and solve this problem. Should we just get rid? I mean, obviously, the easiest solution is to get rid of positional distinctions altogether. I don't see a downside to that. So should we just all? Should we just get rid of the positions? I mean, I could see the starting the starting lineup getting a little front court heavy in the W, but but you'd fix it fairly quickly by bringing in. I think when you're picking twenty two players right. or even more than twenty two, eventually you'd have enough perimeter and and post one way or another. You're not going to end up with twenty post players. And twenty post players in an all star game sounds delightful. I'd watch that. That'd I'd rather be really have twenty fun. guards in an all star game. <laughs> Either way, or, or guards versus front court players would be kind of interesting that'd be fun well i don't know how much fun that would be actually <laughs> thinking about it it'd be an interesting experiment and right. i mean yeah all-star games are usually boring as hell so anything interesting why not i mean don nelson has said that like his love of small ball was inspired by when he was with the celtics red Auerbach would have the guards play the front court players the bigs in a, in games and the guards always won because the ball handling won out huh this would be interesting. All right, WNBA, we're clipping this too to send over that we've, I mean, we've we found the solution. The problem with it is they'd have to decide who the hell's a guard, who the hell's a front court player, and they get this yeah. wrong half the time, as we've been saying. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe that would even things out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right, front court. Let's uh, let's get your five reserve front court players, or uh, however you want to do this, Kevin. But just your front, your reserve front court. Yeah, so I did have a group of five. We've talked about a lot of them already. Uh, Bonner and Jones, both from Connecticut, and Thomas, I guess, three Connecticut players among my five front court reserves. Uh, Emma Mason is the fourth. And then the fifth is where things get interesting. And that's why I had uh, another player who is playing at a higher level than they have before, but given their age, it's probably to be expected, which is Ezzy Magbagor is my fifth front court reserve. Oh, I, I love the Ezzy pick. Explain it. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, it's funny because there's all, this didn't exist until last year, but the concept of the the big three in Seattle of mm-hmm. Bird, Stewart, and Lloyd, and like, as a Megbegor has played as well as probably two of those three players this season. So it's kind of funny that that still exists. Like her, her shot blocking has been completely dominant at that end of the court. Uh, Richard highlighted that you know, recently in his, his roundup and offensively, she's doing important things for them in terms of, you know, her ability to move without the ball. She's making a few threes this season, which is very exciting to see. Uh, she very much looks like a, a star coming into her own at this point. I'm, I'm with it. And she also, you know, we talked a lot about Stewie's defense and Stewie has been a great defender for many years. So whatever, but I think Ezzy this year has really unlocked what Stewart's doing in terms of being able to clean up everything on the backside as Stewart blitzes those pick and rolls. She's been huge for that. And they are the second best defense by net, a defensive rating. Correct. Yeah. There uh, 
second best defense by defensive rating in the league right now. And I think those two are the two that you can really point to as doing an outstanding job. So I, I really like that pick. I like as being in the, uh, in the uh, reserve front court. Um, let's see, do we have, well, here, Richard, give me, give me your five front court. Well, I, we're, we're back to how many of my players counted in the first place. Oh, just, uh, just say them. It's fine. My original, my top eight were Thomas Jones, Parker, Jackie Young, Wilson, Stewart, Aguimake, and Bowles. And then my front court reserves after that, Brianna Jones, Miesemann, Deladon, and Alicia Gray, who, again, I would count as a three, but may have been a, a guard on the official ballot. I, I don't know. I think she was I'm not, a guard. Yeah, I'm not sure where she was. I have it here, I think. She is a guard. Of course. Inevitably. <laughs> <laughs> So besides this being an illegal uh, pick, I think it, I, I like these. Uh, I think Alicia Gray is really interesting. Um, we didn't talk about Bree Jones, so we should get back to her because Kevin, you said that she's the second best player on Connecticut so far. Um, I think that kind of goes against the conventional thinking of this team. So explain to me why she's the second best player on the team. But I think Richard can chip in. He's looked at the net rating more, mm-hmm. but I, I'm pretty sure they're playing their best basketball when she's on the court. I mean, making 59% of twos, extremely efficient score, you know, dominant offensive rebounder. I, I think she, like I said, I, I, again, I assume the numbers back this up. I think the best version of the sun is with Brianna Jones at center, even though she's not started, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, among their players who play significant minutes, John Quell's top and, Brianna's the next behind her in terms of on-off numbers. Um, I like I had Alyssa Thomas starting, but I did have Brianna Jones ahead of Bonner, certainly. Um, she's been exceptional. She's she's a starter. She's going to win sixth woman of the year, assuming she stays where she is at the minute, and it's not going to be close. Um, she's phenomenal in terms of her finishing ability inside. It reminds me of uh, Crystal Langhorn back in the day at her peak in terms of the footwork and what she can just do in there, whether anyone's trying to stop, whether they're focusing on her or not, it's, she's been great. And she's going to get seriously paid at the end of this season by somebody, assuming she's, she's willing to go and play somewhere other than Connecticut because they'd have to move somebody in order to pay her. But yeah. And the, Whatever team I get in the mock offseason, I don't even know. Presumably <laughs> help the storm, but whatever other team is going to max Brianna Jones, I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to know, good to know as the player agent. I'll mark <laughs> yeah. that one down. You don't even have to worry about that one. <laughs> the the development from her first couple of years in mm. in the league is is unreal. Into because there were like two to three seasons where if they cut her, no one would have batted an eyelash. And she's she stuck around. She's one of the players who, rather than developing at home on her own, went to, went to Europe and has been a star over there as well and developed significantly. And yeah, she's been great. It's funny. It's funny to see, to hear you say, go over to Europe since you're <laughs> in Europe. They're coming. They're coming to yes, Europe. She's, she's come to us. Yes. <laughs> I, not many of them go to England in fairness. So they're, they're going to the continent. <laughs> not, not many people you've ever heard of come to play in England. No. <laughs> Yeah, they're going, they're going continental. Uh, let's get your... So, Richard, I have three more spots for you. Does that sound right? I mean, potentially. 
Um, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty are you a pick 24 for the roster too? I mean, are you, well, if you're not sticking to the guard front court, why, why stick to the number either? I mean, I, I did stick to the numbers as far as I was concerned. But, uh, <laughs> Richard's numbers. <laughs> I mean, the way I ended up was, like I said, I had eight guards and eight front court that I had in, which left me picking six for the final group where I had, um, yeah, I was picking six from eight, basically, at the end. I had Brianna Jones, Misaman, Deladon, Gray with the top four of that group in. And then I had two left from Dierica Hamby, Kelsey Mitchell, Marina Mabry, and Natasha Howard. Okay. Pick three of them? So you had like five players listed there to pick three of them. It was it was it, two from four by my numbers. I would probably take. Oh, because you have fouls. You have fouls too, right? I have fouls in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. All right. That was my. So you have two. Yeah, you have two. Pick two I of would them. Probably take Hamby, and um, Mabry. I think. Okay, man, Mabry. That works out. Well, actually, it works. You work out because now Alicia Gray and Jack Young are in the wildcard spots and Derek Hamby and Emma. I think it might all loop back around and it eventually fit in, yeah. That that does, in fact, work. Congratulations, Richard. You have a legal ballot. Uh, explain to me the Mabry pick. I, I, I think she's played really well. I just haven't, you know, I, I think that would come off as a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, explain to me why you went with her. I, I think Dallas are better and she's been a big part of it. Um, she's playing the point guard for them a lot even though that's maybe not where you want her by choice I think she plays it because Arike needs to be on the court as far as they're concerned so they have to work out how to get those two into a backcourt or you're cutting into their minutes significantly um, and she's done the job, she, she scores efficiently uh, she gives them that, that edge that a lot of teams need in that she's She's always feisty. She's playing hard. She's in She's willing to to stand up to anybody. Yeah, I I I like the way she plays, and she's produced. And it's another player who's developed out of a position where she wasn't even necessarily going to make a roster when she was a rookie, and has yeah come come out of nowhere. And he's going to get again going to get paid at the end of the year. Do we get where are the stats on Tex? No, uh, they're in the pre- they're in the press section, which is why I tend to tweet them out yeah. quite a lot because they're not public anywhere. So is Marina first now? No, Tarassi's got five oh, and is okay. leading the league. Marina's right behind her. Tarassi is almost to the Tarassi line. Yes, a, a player that has, did not appear on your ballot. Yeah, Richard. I figured we'd we'd get to that. Yeah, and and the uh, the the other UConn guard that's uh, somewhat important. Also not on your ballot. All right, let, let's get Kevin's last four. So we have I have four wild card spots for you, Kevin. Uh, give me your. So I had a pair of grays here. I had both Alicia and okay. Chelsea, as we talked about earlier with mm-hmm. Chelsea Gray, and, and both of them really. I also went with Hamby for this spot, and then Jewel Lloyd was my fourth. Okay, easy enough. So did we all? Did you guys all get? Did we complete the uh, the Vegas run here? Yep. Yeah, we did. We all did. Now, five players in the All Star game. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not sure Hamby will get in because I think the the coaches might balk at putting five in mm-hmm. once once they're picking the reserves. So we'll see whether that actually comes to pass. Wow. Has, has that ever happened before? I assume at some point it must have happened with the Lynx starting five, right? I I think somebody definitely got it. I think Connecticut did it way back when, but one of them was in as a replacement. Um, so I'm not sure if any anyone's ever done all five in the initial teams, but I think it's definitely been done, including replacements. Um, uh, Kevin, who's your, who's your uh, fifth there? I only have four, right? Yeah. Four. Sorry. Uh, it was the grays, Hamby and who? Jewel Lloyd. Jewel Lloyd. Okay. We already talked about Jewel. Uh, man. Yeah. I would, some, I, I was going to ask you guys, I figured, I figured you guys knew about the whole five, the starting lineup in the uh, all-star game. I, it happened in the NBA, right? I can think of four because there was the time that Detroit, they had four and then they played like Mello was the fifth because, yeah. you know, the Pistons could have drafted him instead mm-hmm. of Darko. Remember that lineup? I, I'm struggling to think of when in Atlanta had four the year that they were surprisingly good under Bud and it was everyone but uh, uh, Damari Carroll. I, but I can't specifically think of five. So we'll, we'll look that up. We'll get the research on that. I mean, in some ways, it's easier in the in the WNBA because right. we've got a lot fewer teams, and yeah, you know, we're still trying to come up with nearly as many. Also, so I guess the, it begs the question though: like, have have the aces been dominant like that dominant to really warrant five all stars? I, mean, I mean, Connecticut, we have four, so it's not exactly yeah, like. And I think those are the two teams that have really separated themselves from the rest of the field so far this year. I have three from Connecticut, yeah, you, you but, three, but right. as a group, four, yeah. And you'll have Bonner. So it's a three, but three, I mean, three is still a lot. I don't know, five just sounds so much bigger. It's just like, that's, that is a lot of, uh, I think it's all deserving because I believe I had, I had all five of those players on my full list as well. So maybe we're looking at that. Um, I am, I, I thought one of you guys would go to Natasha Howard. I had Natasha Howard. I think she's been excellent in the time. Like, she's- yeah. Like I said, she's right on the fringe of, of being in or out for me. I mean, if if Fowles is out, then she would certainly be one of the options as a replacement. And Indiana fans, the like three that continue to show up to their games, um, would be very disappointed that Kelsey Mitchell isn't making the game finally this year. And she's been awesome. Kelsey Mitchell's been awesome. She's taking a step forward. Um, they just the team is. I can't. I can't. Uh, can't unsee it. Some of the things that they've done, although they've been much better than we all thought they were going to be. Um, so I, yeah, maybe Kelsey Mitchell, but I, I think Natasha Howard would be at the next, my next pick here. Um, but I mean, the, as I tweeted about last night, that there's going to be a significant list of snubs or, or at least players that are considered snubs by the public at large this year. In that, certainly from my group at least, we've left out Bird Tarasi. Charles, Cloud, Cambage, Howard, Copper, Bonner. Um, I didn't put in Magbagor. So yeah, I yeah, it's a long list. I don't need, I, I don't have any of the rookies in my group either. There's no Howard, there's no Austin, there's no Nellis Smith. So yeah, it's a it's a long list of players that people are gonna say, How the hell did she not make the all-star team? Yeah, and I was gonna ask about Shakira Austin because I think she may have, she has a really good case, but I'm, I'm with you on her not being in. Um, but Kevin, did you give, did you give any uh, uh, thought to the to players that 
uh, Richard just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, Austin might have been the next front court player if I were going to okay. go with another one there other than Fowles, who, again, I didn't have on my team. So maybe you can consider Fowles is on there and, and Hamby is the injury replacement for her, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. To me, the two hardest emissions were Ogunbowale, as we talked about. And then Tarasi, like, look, I, defensively, not so much, but offensively, she's still been really good for Phoenix this season. Like, she's not a, you know, if you give her an all-star spot this year, it's not strictly on the basis of her being Diana Taurasi. But it could be. And then we could we could just have 24 players like Richard wants anyways. Right, yeah. And, and I, I mean, but, Sue's the one who, like, she probably played at an all-star level last season, but this season, you know, has not been quite to that level, but is obviously going to be in there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I just think, I hope they don't take away spots. Like we mentioned at the top, like don't take away spots from these players that we already mentioned that have played up to that level um, just to, you know, give, give people a swan song. Although I don't, I don't know if that's like necessarily the right way to go for an all-star game. Because again, back to my first question of this whole podcast, like, does this actually matter? And should we, should we just have more fun with it? I mean, my philosophy has always been like, personally, I think we should pick a list of like the 12 best players and, or 22 best players, you know, 12, uh, and then also pick the 22 most fun for an all-star game. And, like those <laughs> don't need to be the same list. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about Chelsea Gray, maybe being a starter, maybe being reserved. Chelsea Gray is the kind of player you need in an all-star game, whether you think she deserves to, to be there on production and performance for a club or not. You know, that, that's that's what you you want, the look away passes, the, all of that kind of stuff for an all-star game. And I'd, I'd probably much rather see Arika Gunbowale in an all-star setting than, you know, Emma Miesemann, as awesome as she is. <laughs> and if, <laughs> if there are any replacement players, I would expect Kalia Copper's probably going to get in, given that the game's in Chicago. So if, if the... Uh, if the um, commissioner has to has to put in anyone extra, then an extra Chicago player would be the easy choice, both from needing to get them to the city, costs and things like that, and for fan engagement. Oh, and Claire Copper's having a heck of a season too. Yeah, she's she's right. She's on on the fringes of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, like, if we if you want to look at this in kind of in, in a different light, um, not necessarily the way Kevin's looking at it in terms of considering past performance, but one thing I've always thought about the all-star game, I should probably just said this earlier is like, it kind of should go from all-star game to all-star game, like your performance since that all-star game to this one. And I think if we considered it like that, like Kalia Copper's in. Um, so I'm with you, Richard. I think, I think she probably has a really good chance to get in of, of the people that were not on your list or my list. She probably has the best chance to either be selected as a reserve or be that injury replacement. Yeah. There's obviously been a lot of talk about her since, her performance in the finals last year she had a good season in Europe as well so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets in one way or another all right guys uh that's pretty much all I got I mean we, we could have talked about some of the more ridiculous names on my universal list here such as Brittany Sykes and Lexi Brown um Lexi, Lexi Brown, Brown second in effective field goal percentage uh behind Sylvia Fowles this season Okay. Uh, if if we're gonna do that list, can I throw out one of Richard's favorites? Yeah, sure. Rebecca Gardner is not that far off by warp. <laughs> He's really good. I mean, I I think to a certain extent that's one of the knocks against Copper is that how much better have Chicago got with Copper replacing Gardner in lineups. It's 
it's not there's not that much in it in terms of what changed when when copper finally arrived and and took a lot of those those lineup minutes so i yeah gardner's been good and then they, they won on like a tear right right when Kalia came back though right something like that they did, yes, and then then fell off a little bit from that. Natisha Heidemann also maybe deserves some mention here. Yeah, the thing about Natisha Heidemann, as Richard alluded to earlier, was that she's kind of uh, being held back at, at in the late in games for either Alyssa Thomas yes. or uh, my girl Nia Cloudon. Um, so we'll we'll see how that works out by the end of the year. But she's been playing great too. I, I think there's a case for a lot of different folks. Uh, I think the coaches are going to have a fascinating job. I think, obviously, the fans are going to vote for whoever the fans vote for. And I think we'll probably get a couple players that maybe on production only don't get in. But I'm, I'm guessing, like, Suber and Diane Ross are getting in via the fan vote. Early. And, what, well, and what a shame they won't tell us the individual votes for the coaches' ballots. That, that, that would be especially interesting this year <laughs> to see who everyone puts in and who they leave out. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll be getting those. I wish we did. Did we get a GM survey this year? We didn't even get a GM survey. No, I don't think they put one out. No. Ugh. Although, as, Ke- as Kevin can report, most of those aren't filled out by the GMs. Well, look. <laughs> I, they, they, they talked. To, I talked to the GM of the team <laughs> when I helped fill that out one or two times. Speaking for the team, <laughs> you think that, or you, do you think the coaches' all star ballots are filled out by the coaches? I think there's probably a better chance of that. Oh, really? I think people yeah. take that more seriously. Yeah, interesting. All I don't right. know if they're deep diving the stats on it before no. they do it. Just voting for all their own players, which you absolutely should do. If you're a coach, I would vote for all of my they're own not, players. I don't think no, you're they're allowed not allowed. To. You're not allowed uh, to vote for your own players. I mean, honestly, what a lot of it is is probably vote for the player who had a good game against you. Mm. Player you have to pre- you have to prepare most for, which is fair. All right, guys. Um, I'm not going to say all of the all of the people that we have on our all-star rosters that's going to be way too much uh we will post this in the description though the all the all-star rosters that we picked um you will know the starters again by the time you listen to this but this was a fun exercise anything else that you guys want to mention before we we go off uh if i could do a quick plug we talked about kelsey plum's improvement this year i, I don't know when this story is running but hopefully sometime this week uh talking about you know the uh the performance coach who has helped uh, both Plum and some of the other players we've talked about in this group. So I, it's something I'm very excited about running, hopefully this week. The Aces, the Aces performance coach or just like for the, around the league? Susan Borchard, who works okay. privately with players. So. And gets, gets a shout out quite regularly on TV broadcasts. Sure. Yeah. Which is, which is why I wanted to get, kind of dig deeper into that story and got some really fun quotes from Plum and Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart and others. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Richard, anything to plug? I have the, Assuming I, I get around to writing it at some point, the usual column coming out on Thursday Thursday morning. So, yeah, I don't know what it's on yet because I haven't written it. WNBA Dissected. It's on like a bunch of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about the WNBA. Uh, and it's on herhoopstats.com or herhoopstats.substack.com. There we go. That's a newsletter. Yeah. Uh, and you should go to herhoopstats.com for all of your stats research and check out uh, Kevin's work on ESPN. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm Gabe. Thank you so much to KP and to Richard for joining me and picking our all-star ballots. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack. 
and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.